Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Good day, everybody. This is Kyle Clarich coming your way with another interview with the expert session. Today, our expert is Dr. Gabor Bagamari, one of our outstanding cardiovascular surgeons in Rochester, Minnesota Mayo Clinic. And we are talking today on a very important topic of the choice of valve prostheses in patients with valvular heart disease. Welcome, Dr. Bagamari. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. So I'll just jump right in. How common, I guess, maybe I'll start out with how common is valvular heart disease and what segment of the population needs to worry about this? And physicians, how often do we need to screen for this? That's an excellent question. Approximately 2.5% of the population is affected with significant uh, valvular disease, most commonly involving the aortic or the mitral valve. If you're looking at the uh, Society of Thoracic Surgeons database, approximately 100,000 people per year undergoing to valve replacement surgery, mostly again, as I mentioned, aortic or the mitral valve. This number on its own may be not that big, but people with a heart valve replacement, they usually have several decades ahead of them. So it's a significant burden on, on the uh, society. Well, 2.5% of the population turns out to be a pretty big number, as you described there. So that's that's very interesting. And aortic and mitral valves are most commonly involved. What are the perceived advantages and or disadvantages of mechanical versus a bioprosthetic heart valve? So this is an excellent question, and I think before I go into the details, it's very important that the selection of the most appropriate heart valve types, whether it's mechanical or bioprosthesis, especially for patient uh, between 50 and 70 years of age, is a matter of frequent debate. And deciding between mechanical or biological prosthesis to replace a disease heart valve is a complicated discussion that takes place uh, daily between patient and their care team. Sometimes surgeons and cardiologists have a strong held opinions regarding the selection of the right valve, the tissue mechanical, but given the potentially life-altering implication of the choice between mechanical and uh, tissue processes, it's very important that the patient, their family, and their physician, they have the appropriate information. One of the most commonly that with mechanical valve, it's it's usually a bileaflet valve made of pyrrhotic carbon, but it requires lifelong anticoagulation. The advantage is that that uh, limit, the durability is lifelong. They're very unlikely that you're going to need surgery. The tissue valve, the perceived advantage is that you perceive that you theoretically don't need anticoagulation, but unfortunately it has a limited durability. Usually what we say that the average life expectancy for the tissue valve in aortic position approximately 10 years, but again, it's the average. So some people could be six, but some people it can be 15 years. In mitral uh, position, the life average life expectancy for the valve is usually less. It's definitely below 10 years, but let's say between eight or six years. That's interesting that the, the mitral valve is a little bit shorter life uh, long uh, duration than the aortic position. I mean, just thinking about it, I might have thought the other way around. So generally, you're going to say that it's about 10 years for a tissue or bioprosthetic valve in the aortic position and 8 to 10 years potentially in the mitral valve position. But we do know that there are outliers on both. Yes, both but ways. You're trying to make a decision, this is how you, these are the kind of numbers that you're going to deal with. Whereas the mechanical valve, um, 
although we know that you have to have anticoagulation with this lifelong, uh, it is a lifelong solution uh, to uh, a valvular heart disease. Yes. I think you already alluded to this a little bit. What is the durability of maybe newer generation bioprosthetic valve designs? In other words, uh, the numbers you gave us before, does that apply to these new generation bio? We know that technology is always advancing and, and we're getting new bioprosthetic valves all the time. And what what is that, uh, how does that line up? And maybe I'll even launch into the next question. We can divide them into two conversations, but there's, I think a lot of our audience will have heard about the transcatheter aortic valve implantations that are available, uh, sometimes called the TAVR or the TAVI. Maybe we can wrap that together. So basically bottom line is, What's the durability of newer generation bioprosthetics? We'll take that on first, and then we'll launch into a little bit of a discussion about TAVI or TAVR. It's a, it's a great question. So there is increased popularity of the tissue processes. There is no doubt about that. And with the, with the success and the widespread use of the transcatheter aortic valve replacement, more and more people are coming and they're asking for tissue prosthesis, hoping that it's increased durability because of the newer technology. And there will be an option in the future, instead of redo open heart surgery, they can have transcatheter aortic valve replacement. The newer generation we call the standard heterograft, whether it's porcine, pig, or bovine, cow, valve. But interestingly, the durability is still, I would say, between 10 to 12 years on average. And what other important factor is, what's the life expectancy for the patient? And we know that when you develop a valvular heart disease, whether it's aortic or mitral, that you have a reduced life expectancy. But our goal is with the surgery to put you back in the normal life curve. So if you think about it, a 50-year-old approximately has 25 years out of him, a 70-year-old have 15 years of it. So depending at your what age, then if you put a tissue valve, even the, uh, the durability is still be around 10 years. So there is very highly likelihood that you're going to need a redo intervention, whether it will be a surgery or transcatheter aortic valve replacement. So the durability hasn't changed significantly. Yeah. No, not significantly. Maybe slightly, but not astronomically. So no. it's really important to think about the actual age of the patient we're talking about. So if they're 50 and you're looking at, you know, a valve replacement, you know, at least twice, maybe three times before their average life expectancy would be over. But you're still seeing, it sounds like, a lot of patients wanting the tissue valve to avoid anticoagulation um, and also then with the eye towards maybe getting a, a percutaneous solution later on. I, I think there is a lot of misconception in valve-related complication regarding prosthesis durability and late survival. and. Our goal is to, during the clinic, uh, uh, clinic visit and in consultation, to help them uh, decision-making in, in, in a contemporary practice and how to uh, help them to achieve their maximum uh, potential life expectancy. So one of them, first misconception is the increased thromboembolic complication with the mechanical valve. And it's interesting because it's assuming that you, they, it's not thrombogenic. But what's important when you look at the uh, long-term follow-up, if a properly anticorrugate mechanical valve or tissue, or compared to the tissue valve, there is no increased thromboembolic complication from the valve-related. Most of this complication, it's patient-related factor underlying cardiovascular risk factors, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, diabetes mellitus, or atrial fibrillation. 
The other common mistake, people think that they won't need anticoagulation with a tissue valve. When we put a tissue valve in, usually we anticoagulate at least from three to six months after the procedure, because we know that there is definitely strong data from the Danish registry that is decreased thrombomolic complication and uh, decreased cardiovascular death if the uh, patient with a tissue prosthesis, they stay on anticoagulation. But more importantly, uh, if you're looking at the old data, after aortic valve replacement, and more important, after mitral valve replacement, a significant portion of the patient after five to 10 years, they develop other indication that they're going to end up on blood thinner anyway, so they need to be anticoagulated. Okay, so I think what I heard you say was that there's misconceptions about mechanical prostheses that they may be associated with higher thromboembolic risk, but many of these um, episodes of thromboembolism uh, in the mechanical population may be related to other risk factors. Yes, underlying patient risk factors, but it's again, I want to emphasize if they are properly anticoagulated. So if they're taking their warfarin dose, there is no increased thrombomeric complication compared to the tissue prosthesis. And what, what is the INR, uh, the level of anticoagulation that you're recommending for patients with mechanical prostheses? So the most of the mechanical prosthesis, they are very similar in hemodynamics, and one of the prostheses has a um, FDA approval for lower INR. In general, it's between two to three, and one valve has an ap approval from the FDA. After three months, you can lower the INR to 1.5 to 2. I think the main advantage is probably it's a little bit better patient compliance and easier to manage, and maybe there is some decreased risk of spontaneous bleeding from the warfarin. It's interesting that you also mentioned that our typical practices, at least for the first three to six months, we're going to anticoagulate patients anyway yes. with the bioprotheses. And I think that's important for patients to know. But uh, in addition to that, I think, uh, and I, I think you alluded to it, that some patients will need anticoagulation lifelong because we found uh, Dr. Pizleru has published and a number of our other colleagues, Dr. Egby as well, on the risk long-term of of tissue valves getting thrombosis uh, and then requiring anticoagulation. So there is, even though it's small, uh, a number of uh, reasons to, to not just solely base your decision around anticoagulation. I think it's an excellent point, and I think you 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 quoted Dr. Agby and Pisler today. They find it approximately 11% of the tissue valve they're going to develop thrombosis. And what's interesting, it's not not just immediately in the postoperative period. Even after the first year or even five years, they can develop valve thrombosis. And when they explanted, it became evident there was no evidence of structural deterioration. It was more related to the subclinical thrombosis of the tissue processes. So I think in the current, people accepted that there is an option of the transcatheter valve, which is obviously, it's a much lower risk uh, that it doesn't require sternotomy, it doesn't require, there is no pain associated basically with it. The valve thrombosis is real even with the tissue processes. So many patients going to end up with blood thinner anyway. And the discussion is focused more whether they need transcatheter open surgery instead of focusing whether which patient is better served with mechanical prosthesis and which patients are better with tissue prosthesis. I think we are not arguing that if you're 80 years old, probably the tissue prosthesis is an excellent choice. If you are less than 50 years old, the mechanical valve. It's the gray zone between the 50 and the 70 who is going to really benefit from the mechanical prosthesis. And lastly, probably it's important to talk about the late survival between the two valve choice. Yes, let's do that. I think that's a really good point that that you need to think about the 
the mechanical versus tissue and in, in, in that shared decision-making early on, and you've covered very well the, the anticoagulation, some of the, the facts and the myths. Um, but let's talk about that survival difference between the two valve types. There is some old randomized trials in the V and Edinburgh trial, which uh, show that there is some improved survival with mechanical valve. And we know when if you compare size to size, a tissue or mechanical valve, the hemodynamic performance is, is the same. But what's different is once you implant the tissue prosthesis, the, the clock starts ticking. It slowly starts deteriorating. And people argue that uh, in mechanical valve, usually we put in younger, healthier patients. But I think we can see across nowadays in this day and age, in the, across the United States, many people, uh, many uh, patients between the age of 50 and 70, they got tissue prosthesis preferably. And what happens is that it's not really the increasing long-term hemodynamic performance of that mechanical prosthesis, which going to confer survival advantage. What happens when you put the tissue prosthesis, the valve very slowly start degenerating, and we are not going to go back and replace it until it gets severely stenotic, narrow, or it starts leaking. But in the time frame, there is slow deterioration, so the heart has to work harder. So this repetitive hemodynamic injuries to the heart, which maybe has a disadvantage when you use tissue prosthesis. So the, I think that's really an important point. So I'll just kind of uh, reiterate it here that uh, the mechanical and uh, tissue valves, when you're, if they're first placed, they're, they're hemodynamic, meaning the work that the heart has to do to pump the blood through these, these valves is similar. Yes. But because the tissue valve tends to degenerate gradually over time, the heart is compensating for that by working harder even when it's mild, moderate, and maybe moderately severe before we really go in and, and take the, the, uh, the, the valve out and replace it either percutaneously or surgically. But in that period of time, while that valve is degenerating, that puts a strain on the heart that may lead to a decreased survival in patients that get tissue valves. It's exactly correct. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion, and I think it is very complicated, but I think what we hope to leave the audience with is ways to think about um, how to make that shared decision choice so that when you talk to your surgeon or your cardiologist that you ask about you know your personal situation you know the risk of surgery versus the risk of a percutaneous uh, intervention in some patients that risk drives the decision uh, process then the longevity uh, the risk of taking uh, anticoagulation systemic anticoagulation with warfarin uh, to prevent clotting on a mechanical valve in the short duration of the anticoagulation that would be required with a tissue valve. And the hope that only uh, that 90% or close to 90% of patients would not then uh, subsequently need anticoagulation if they have a bioprosthetic or tissue valve. But yet, I think it's important that 10% do, and that needs to be followed longitudinally in those patients. And last but not least, the fact that even though there have been uh, some optimism that technology has improved the tissue valves. It's not uh, astronomical improvement. It's 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 stepwise improvement, and we're thankful for every improved design that we can get our hands on. But we uh, uh, don't have the perfect valve yet. But it is also informative that there are valves out there that are FDA approved for a lower INR, which makes the bleeding risk um, theoretically lower and maybe more approachable for that group of patients that might be sitting on the fence based on the concern for anticoagulation. 
Are there any last uh, comments or corrections or additions that you'd like to leave our audience with, Dr. Begumary? I think it's very important when we're discussing the patient about the valve choice, we have to take out, try to be objective and take out any kind of beliefs or personal bias, because we have to respect their preferences, their values, and the input for the patient uh, for the long term. Well, again, it's been a fascinating conversation. We appreciate your attention, and thank you for joining us with interviews uh, with the experts. And our expert today is Dr. Gabor Begamary, cardiovascular surgeon, Mayo Clinic. Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast by emailing cvselfstudy at mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform and tune in each week to explore today's most pressing cardiology topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.